everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Steinman. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week on the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. It's Brittany and Teresa, and we are so thankful to be here again with you today. Uh, We thank you for joining us, and today we're going to take a deep dive into something that affects us and impacts really all of us in the field of dentistry, dental hygiene, and just health professions in general, and that topic is burnout. So and today I, we're going to go ahead. Go ahead no, I was going to say, I feel like we should be super transparent and say like, we, we might be in the middle of that uh, season ourselves right now. <laughs> so we know there of which we speak and we're hopefully coaching ourselves through this podcast. So yeah, thank we had a, a pretty significant epiphany when we were <laughs> discussing and making the notes for this podcast, like, huh, maybe we need some self-reflection and uh, take a step back and take a nap. Maybe we go take a nap after this, Teresa. Yes, deal. <laughs> happening. So this um, thought was inspired by one, our daily lives, but also we're big proponents of Jay Shetty. He's amazing. He was uh, actually a monk for three years and then came back to, um, you know, basically westernized society in order to kind of share his monk wisdom with the world. And now he has a podcast and a book and he's a super famous, super successful man who has great ideas and I absolutely love his podcast. So I was listening uh, a few days ago and he had an episode on burnout. And today we're basically just being inspired by his episode, gonna consolidate a lot of his very valid points and apply them to hygiene. Um, So let's first go through the definition of burnout and some details about what can cause burnout. And then we will go through the different phases of burnout and how we can face, prevent, pivot and correct some of these things um, as they apply to us in hygiene. So one very useful definition of burnout, which we've, uh, is um, by Bob Veninga, I think I'm saying that correctly, and Jim Spradley from 1981. And it says that it's a debilitating psychological condition brought about by unrelieved work stress, resulting in depleted energy and emotional exhaustion, lowered resistance to illness, increased depersonalization in interpersonal relationships, increased dissatisfaction and pessimism, increased absenteeism and work inefficiency. And the key word in this definition is unrelieved, not stress. So you enter the profession in the first place with high ideals of service to others, and this makes you from the beginning a burnout risk. In helping professions, typically you daily face lots of challenges, time constraints coupled with the high expectations of service, And this also makes you a burnout risk. So the cost of caring, if we think about it for a moment, if you care about your job, you're going to tend to work harder at it. And as you're successful at what you do, you're more likely to be noticed, respected, and asked to do more for the good of the cause of the work or in the profession. So this will put more demands on your time and energy. 
And the very fact that you care will mean that you are more likely, not less likely, to be sought after for leadership responsibilities because your peers respect and trust you. And over time, as we mentioned above, unless you are taking care of yourself so as to prevent burnout, you will be increasingly at risk because of your commitment to giving and giving and giving. So unless you're also replenishing yourself, there are limits to how much you are able to continue to give unabated. So this is one of the main reasons why Teresa and I discuss self-care in depth at our summit and in our book. Um, and a lot of people I feel like want to start from what are all the strategies that you use, you know, to be successful in your workday? What are all the strategies you use to get to X, Y, Z? But, you know, preventing burnout and self-care are so foundational to what we will then build upon in regards to strategy that they, they just can't be overlooked, you know? So I think a lot of people really dislike starting at the basics, but it's really without that, we can't build on it and be successful in our strategies. Yeah, it's absolutely necessary. You have to start at the foundation. And I know you say this a lot and it's so true. You can't give out of deficit, right? Um, you know, you've got to be full, you've got to be empowered. You've got to be in be confident. You have to have the energy to be able to do the job. And so that is foundational is to be able to give out of excess and make sure that you are in a healthy, stable place, especially considering we are talking to other people all day long about their health and wellness. If we find that we're not in a, in a solid place of health and wellness, you know, that makes us number one, very hypocritical, but it, it really depletes us of all we can offer them. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, it's impossible to sustainably give out yes. of deficit. It's just it, like, you can do it for a week, you can do it right. for a few days, but at some point there's going to be this, this uh, trade-off, you know, where like you just can't do it anymore and everything starts to like crumble or so it feels, you know, when you're in that state of heightened anxiety and stress and that unrelieved stress type of thing. So Maslick and Leader um, are researchers who in 1997, uh, their recent work presented in their book, The Truth About Burnout, defined burnout as uh, the index of the dislocation between what people are and what they have to do. It represents an erosion of values, dignity, spirit, and will, an erosion of the human soul. Maslick and Leader went on to reinforce the notion that it's not the fault of the worker that they experience burnout, but rather that the strong impact of the work environment mitigates either toward promoting burnout or preventing burnout in a particular setting. So the six systemic sources of burnout that are discussed in detail in their book are work overload, lack of control, insufficient reward, unfairness, breakdown of a sense of community and value conflict. So workplace leaders and administrative officers have a really significant role to play in the promotion of healthy workplace environments. Um, so we would, they would caution though that sometimes that's not the case and sometimes it's decidedly, it's really, it's definitely not. So they go back to their fundamental theme that it's essential for us to be paying careful attention to you know, having this level of self-awareness about how well are we doing, how positively we're feeling about our experience, how well we're regularly engaging in the kinds of self-care activities that we know help to keep us vital. So in other words, you know, to, to paraphrase the environmentalist credo, think globally, act locally, they urge us to think systemically, but continue to act personally. So you always can be a critical element in your self-care regardless of the nature of your workplace environment. Meaning even if your workplace environment does not foster self-care or doesn't value you know, preventing burnout or maybe just doesn't focus on burnout prevention, you still have a choice to step back, do what you know needs to be done in regards to your self-care and, and prevent your own burnout. You know, 
Yeah. No one else is going to do it for you. You gotta, you have to take the reins on that. And you, and you're really the only one that knows internally, like where you're, when you're at that line, when you're like, okay, this is too much. Cause you know, people are good sometimes about masking things and you may not know what's really going on internally. So it's really kind of being super hyper aware of your own situation, your own condition, and then being able to step into that and, and be your own hero in that, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Be your own best friend, my mentor would say. Yep. <laughs> so burnout, burnout is the loss of meaning in one, one's work. So that means that burnout occurs when the calling of caring for others and giving to others in any area, such as emotional development or intellectual growth or physical wellness, no longer gives sufficient meaning to one's life. Um, individuals in the caring profession drive much quote unquote psychic income from helping others. So in religious terms, such occupations are often labeled as a calling, a calling to something of great value. So when the meaning of the work disappears, an existential crisis can develop and meaning that burnout can result. So their definition is that burnout occurs when the meaning of the work has been lost and the existential purpose for the work is gone. So we're next going to kind of jump into Beninga and Spradley's work on the stages of burnout. So we're going to go through the different stages of burnout, what the symptoms um, and the signs might look like in the early stages versus the latter stages. And this, this was really insightful for me. So stage one is the honeymoon stage. And I think that this one is often overlooked. And this is the one that's least likely to be recognized as the first stage of burnout. And I can think of specific instances when I was acting in this stage and, and I've seen a lot of people act in this stage and then kind of how they progress through different stages of burnout from here. So the honeymoon stage of burnout is stage one and it's marked by high job satisfaction, commitment, energy, and creativity. And the key issue is what patterns of coping strategies you begin to develop when facing the inevitable stresses of the job. So in theory, if the patterns of coping are positive and adaptive, then you'll remain in a honeymoon stage indefinitely, but few persons do. So <clears throat> a lot of this, you know, Jay Shetty gave a great example, um, but I'll give my own example of when I, when I see people on board at Spodak, like I can see they're excited. You know, they're excited because they see all the potential, the possibility, they're really encouraged by others. And what I notice is a lot of times they'll start going above and beyond. And then we give kudos, you know, for those above and beyond actions. And then it's like, they, they don't stop or discontinue or find balance by, um, by delegating to others, some of those above and beyond actions. And we all need to do that at some point in time. So for instance, one thing that I think is really cool and really awesome about Jen and Shay, our newest hygienists, are that, you know, they come in on their days off to sharpen our instruments. And they get a lot of kudos and praise and thanks for that. And I am, you know, very thankful and have gratitude that they do that. But there's also this underlying concern on my end that I'm like, this is the time that I really want them to be recharging and spending time with their families and doing something that they enjoy other than, you know, pouring into our work at work. And I know that if they don't get that, just like if, if I don't get that, at some point they're gonna go into the next stage of burnout. So that's my concern with that. They're going above and beyond. They're getting kudos for that. That feels great. It's helping the team, but it's not sustainable. If they did that every week or every day, it's not a sustainable action, yeah. you know? So I can, see, I can see the excitement and how people get wrapped up in like, oh, it's so exciting. It's so great. There's so much opportunity and potential. And then how that can kind of trickle down into stage two. Yeah, well, I wanna say just really quick on stage one. So I do think that 
burnout is going to be more prevalent in your high achievers, um, which I think, and like, like you said earlier, as you were citing some of these studies and articles that in people who are caring for others, because that need never goes away. Right. You know, we have patient after patient after patient coming because they need what we have and because we can, we will care for them well. And when we're high achievers and we really want to make that happen, it's really hard to say no or, you know, take it down a notch. But you just saying that made me think, you know, maybe one thing that we could do as a, as a team in the practice is not only do we give kudos for, you know, the, the over and above, but maybe we give kudos for taking some time, you know, like maybe that becomes something we celebrate too, is like, Hey, you went on a vacation or you took it, you did nothing this weekend. Like you took the time to recharge so that you can come back and be everything you need to be for the team and for the patients. I mean, that maybe that's just something we need to kind of be thinking about too. I, I like that concept. That's a great point. And I think that would be a game changer. And this is actually something that Ashley brought up recently. She brought up um, talking about, you know, well, something similar. She brought up uh, giving qualitative kudos instead of just quantitative kudos about numbers, you know, because we kudos each other when we meet our goals, but like a qualitative kudos could be just what you mentioned, you know, like, wow, I'm really happy for you that you took vacation, like great job taking care of yourself, you know, and it's definitely like a mind, a mental shift that could take place, you know, in our culture, in our industry, and just in our individual practices, but I think that's a great, a great point. Yeah. So stage two of burnout is the balancing act. Um, And as opposed to the unbridled optimism and positiveness of stage one, um, you're now clearly aware that some days are better than others regarding how well you are handling the stress on the job. So an awareness of a noticeable increase in the following is indicative of stage two. So here's some of the the, um, symptoms of stage two. So one is job dissatisfaction. The second is work inefficiency, including avoiding making necessary decisions and losing stuff at work, even on your desk. I hope no one is listening from Spodak right now because I lose my coffee, I lose my phone, I lose my keys. So they're all gonna laugh if they're hearing me talk right now. Um, The third thing is fatigue, general fatigue, often accompanied by deep muscle fatigue. Um, Four is sleep disturbances. So often that you're so busy in your head that you can't get to sleep. Um, Five is an escape escapist activities of choice. So that can include eating, drinking, smoking, zoning out in front of the TV and other escapist activities. Stage three are more chronic symptoms. So that's marked by an intensification of some of the same indicators cited in stage two, including chronic exhaustion, physical illness. Remember that stress is a risk factor in many diseases. Also anger and depression. So stage four is crisis. So the symptoms can become critical. Uh, Physical symptoms intensify and or increase in number. Um, You're obsessing about work frustrations. You're having pessimism and self-doubt, dominated thinking. You develop an escapist mentality. So it kind of sounds like from stage three to stage four, you kind of internalize that escapist mentality a little bit more. And then stage five is the last stage. And it's enmeshment. So the symptoms of burnout are so embedded in your life that you're more likely to be labeled as having some significant physical or emotional problem than you are to be called a burnout case. So what are your thoughts, Charissa? I mean, it's it's definitely a progression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're not careful, you know, then that's when we find ourselves in the enmeshment stage where you're just like a total, total burnout and you just don't even know where to go from there. And I think 
that's when a lot of people start contemplating exiting the profession. Right. You know, this is too much. This is too hard. I just, this is totally unbalanced and it's not serving me. And at this point, like I'm physically ill, um, you know, it's, it's something that we have to pay attention to. And I'm hoping that just us talking about this today will kind of allow people to take a step back and just kind of take a breath, you know, especially coming off of, you know, the shutdowns from COVID and and embracing the new PPE and figuring out what all that needs to look like. And clearly we are not done with COVID. You know, it's, it's resurging. We're seeing that happen in our practices with patients, you know, calling and canceling and, you know, sharing stories of family members that are ill. So I feel like, you know, even, even it's even more so prevalent in our times now with COVID going on. So it's so important that we talk to each other about it. Like, I think almost too, that there's, there's kind of this uh, environment of shame that, you know, people feel like, oh my gosh, I can't handle all this. And I don't want anybody to know that I'm struggling. And, um, you know, one thing I, I'm going to give you some kudos for a second, specifically about taking the time you need, because I think you're a really good example of that. Like there's times where you're like stressed out and you got a lot going on between, you know, seeing patients every day and what we do with Bulletproof and being in school full time. I mean, it's, it's a lot on your plate. And I, there are times when you're like, it's too much. And I'm going to see if one of my other hygienists can cover my schedule because I need a personal day. And that's like a, in the past for me, that would be a really foreign concept. If I'm being honest, I'm like, no, I, I have to do it all. And I have to be it all. And so you've been a really great example to me that, you got to take that step back. And I'm learning for me, I'm, I'm a very A-type personality. I want to do things right away. I want to get it done. I want to be on top of it. And I've learned as I've gotten older and, and learned that I can't give out of deficit, that some of those things I feel like I have to do right now, I can take a breath and do those later. And that's okay. Yes. Yeah. So kudos to you for doing those things mm-hmm. for you. You know, there's a lot of times we're talking, you're like, hey, I'm going to go take a walk because you need that time. Like, I just think it's awesome that you you seem to be very good at, at managing this for yourself. And I, I think it's a, a great example and I'm appreciative of that. Oh, thanks. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm still trying to find the balance. I right. think it's an ongoing process, but thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that acknowledgement. Yeah. So I think that, you know, some of our most significant profession-wide challenges are definitely, you know, you and I talk a lot about physical health. So musculoskeletal disorders are a huge issue for us. So the NIH, Um, sites that about 64 to 93% of dental hygienists suffer from chronic musculoskeletal disorders and pain. And they also in the same article said that this is the highest indicator of work stress and long-term burnout in our field, in our field. So MSDs, musculoskeletal disorders, cause 27% of hygienists to decrease work hours and days. So that is a significant statistic, and it's one that I can definitely relate to. You know, I have shared before that in the first year of practice, I was like taking ibuprofen like it was candy, you know, every single day, 800 milligrams, 800 milligrams, 800 milligrams, excuse me. And um, I had, you know, significant pain in my shoulder, my arm, my wrist, my hand, my neck. I had chronic headaches, you know, and one thing that I found actually before I found this article was. I just started realizing that all the little things, the little pauses in between, kind of like the walk that I have to take, you know, before I start the next project or kind of like that little mental health break, there are physical health breaks that we can take as well. So not just going to a yoga class after work, which honestly was the biggest helper for me. I started doing yoga. I started doing it, you know, five, six days a week, sometimes every single day, 
Um, if there wasn't a yoga class going on, I would do a half hour, an hour of yoga in my you know, yard or in my house or, you know, whatever. And that helped my physical health significantly, but also just taking those pauses in between patients at work to just do a stretch, yep. you know, just do one stretch, just take a minute, just go get some water, you know, make sure I'm not dehydrated, um, minimize that muscle fatigue. And that was the most helpful thing. So in, in the same article, the NIH cites complementary and alternative medicine as the number one thing that we should do as healthcare professionals that our job is really physically demanding to negate some of the impact of those MSDs. So, um, you know, they recommend doing yoga, they recommend meditating, potentially chiropractic care, stretching, um, herbal supplements, vitamins, like doing a lot of the natural things yep. that we can do before we resort to kind of like, uh, you know, westernized medicine, kind of. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool and interesting. The, the article is so specific to dental hygienists that I just thought it really captured my attention. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I think it's the number one challenge that we face. And, you know, I've had several of my hygiene friends who, you know, had surgeries for carpal tunnel, tunnel or, you know, neck surgeries. And it took me a little longer to start getting uncomfortable. I think I was about four years in. Mm -hmm. I was experiencing, you know, like, really intense headaches, like five days a week. And I was like, I told my husband, I said, I, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And at the time he had a good friend at work who said, oh, you know, he was having some back issues and he was seeing a, a local chiropractor and he was just raving about them. And I said, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to give it a try. And so I went to see them and I remember they took, uh, you know, the initial x-rays uh, and, and, uh, it was very telling because my neck, you know, you should have kind of that backwards curvature in the neck yeah. and mine was completely straight. And they said, gosh, you know, it's really clear that you're bending your head forward all the time. Um, you've reversed that curve and made it completely straight. Mm -hmm. And so I started uh, seeking chiropractic care and I still, um, I have been devoted. I go once a week. Um, you know, if I have a time where I'm flared and I'm really, really uncomfortable, I'll go a couple more, more times, but, you know, staying consistent with once a week has kept me in a really good place. Um, and massage is another thing that I do. I don't do it as frequently. Um, but I did my last massage. I went and I have a patient who's my massage therapist and she is amazing. Um, and she does some really interesting things. It's more of a therapy than a feel good kind of massage. But yeah. she said to me, she's like, I cannot believe that you've been practicing 25 years. Like you're in a really good place, you know, for, for practicing that long. And I said, you know, I think it's just, you know, physical activity, a lot of stretching. I also am a big fan of, you know, doing some stretching and um, Pilates and that sort of thing. Um, but that chiropractic, I think for me has been a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It makes all the difference. And it's, yeah. the, it's like we tell our patients, it's the long game. It's the marathon, not the sprint. You know, it's the little yeah. things along the way that make a difference. Hey, Bulletproof Hygienists, it's Brittany and Charissa, and we are thrilled to announce that it's finally here, our comprehensive online mastery course. If you're anything like us, you know that hygiene is more than just a job, it's more than just a paycheck, and it's a whole lot more than just cleaning teeth. It's our calling. If you're ready to take the deep dive, become a top 1% hygienist, and move from going through the motions to loving what you do every day, boosting treatment acceptance, taking communication and team building to the next level, this course is designed for you. Master all the tools you'll need to make our successes your own. Everything from mindset and culture, team organization and calibration, to individualized best practices and verbiage for success, it's all there. 
Earn five CEs while building your own bulletproof hygiene practice with our proven methodology. To find our course, go to bph.dental and click courses on the left-hand side for all the details. So the next uh, consideration for us is poor communication and conflict resolution. And although this seems very different than our physical issues with, with musculoskeletal disorders and chronic pain, it is very similar on our, basically the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the pyramid that says, okay, you're this, and then, you know, you achieve those basic needs, and then you move up to more, um, less basic needs, you know, your esteem needs and your emotional needs and connection needs, basically. Um, so conflicts with dentists caused 28% of hygienists to change jobs and 13% to decrease work hours. And conflicts with our team members caused 17% of hygienists to change jobs and 7% to decrease work hours. And I didn't write the source here, but I can provide that in the notes um, for this podcast. I don't remember who this came from, but I will find it. Um, so that's a huge factor. That emotional turmoil, that chronic uh, underlying unspoken resentment is a lot for us to carry. You know, emotional issues can impact us just as much, if not more, than our physical issues can. You know, like so, it's the it's the same stuff, different day thing. You know, like some of it's the little things along the way. You know, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Like it's the fifth time today that someone took my nomad out of my room when I was about to take X-rays. You know, that sort of thing that can really get us. Um, but also it's the big things like, you know, having an issue with your boss or not having similar values, you know, not having aligned vision. Those things can all be just chronically emotionally exhausting and can lead to burnout as well. You know, so I think that it's important if we're having an issue to learn how to talk about it in an effective and proactive manner. And, and it takes practice. That's all that there is to it. Like it takes practice. It takes repetition. It takes, um, you know, sometimes seeking mentorship on it. Like there are still instances when I seek mentorship for how do I deal with the situation with this person? How would you resolve this conflict? You know, and, and the thing is, if a lot of us have a tendency to bury things under the rug or just sweep it under the rug because it's, you know, might be a hard conversation to have. It might be uncomfortable. It might be sweaty back as Dr. Bolden would call it. You know, but just because it's those things doesn't mean that we can just ignore it. You know, if there's if there's an issue that's causing you to feel bitter, resentful, um, taken for granted, any of those things, like if you don't say anything about it, then no one else knows that you're having this problem and they don't have the opportunity to adjust their actions or their behavior to help you. You know what I mean? So I think that that stat about conflicts with dentists causing 28% of us to change jobs and 13% to decrease work hours like, I just think of the process of changing jobs, right? Like first you have to apply, you know, update your resume, go apply, go through the whole interview process. So you're taking time off of work to do that. And then on being onboarded at a new office, how much mental and emotional and physical work is that? Right. That is so much. And in some instances, it's like, you've just changed your commute, you know, like what if it's a longer commute or a shorter, it's a different place. You're learning this whole different routine. And there are times in our lives when that is really crucial and that should happen. And then there are other times when I think that we could have stayed, had an uncomfortable conversation and resolved it and then moved forward in that job. And that would have resulted in less stress than that one conversation. Absolutely. You know, does that make sense? Like oh, you could, you could choose to not talk about it and uproot your whole life and your whole, you know, career and what's going on right now for you to 
avoid this uncomfortable conversation or just, you know, go through it. And there's always the possibility, you know, people are like, well, what if it doesn't work out? If it doesn't work out, then you have now exhausted all options. You have communicated, you have gotten to the point where there's nothing else to explore here. And I'm sure that I should move on. But when you move on, you're going to, you're going to feel like solid in the realization that you did everything that you could to resolve this before making a decision to maybe go somewhere else or move on. If you right. didn't do that, then I think that there's always room for like, what if, and, you know, uh, questioning, like, was that the right decision? Like, look how hard this is, you know, but if you've done everything on your end that you can, and it just didn't work out and you didn't come to resolution and it was a non-negotiable for you, then totally understandable, totally get it. Right. Then yeah, maybe consider uprooting and going to a different job or different location or whatever. Um, well, you know, but, but if not, there's, there's going to be that chronic doubt. Right. When, you know, they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens a lot of these times in these little things that, that, you know, get under our skin and bother us. Um, you know, if we just let that, it kind of fester, you know, like a, like a little, um, you know, blister or something that you're not tending to it becomes bigger and more painful and, and harder. But if you're, you know, when we're talking about burnout, if you're already stressed and tired and dealing with all the other issues, you know, and, and it, on top of that, if we are physically uncomfortable, um, then, you know, having that little thorn in your side that you're constantly dealing with will start to seem bigger and bigger and bigger. And that will definitely add to the burnout feeling. So I think you have to, again, take that step back, look at this and go, wait, is this worth like, throwing it all away for, is it, would it be better for me to just go have a simple conversation and address it? Right. And there have been, honestly, I can think of two examples and I won't like, you know, share anyone's name, but there are two employees that we've had who came to me and were like, Hey, I have this issue and I'm thinking of leaving. And then we kind of like chatted about it. And I was like, well, did you ask, you know, so-and-so if they could help you resolve it? Or did you ask for what you want? And in both instances, the answer was no. And so both of these people, you know, separate positions, um, totally different, uh, like, what's the word, like totally different roles in our office kind of went and talked to one of our supervisors. And in both instances, both of their upsets were completely resolved. And I think they both got what they wanted or were requesting. It was just that they hadn't openly requested what they were wanting or what was going wrong. They hadn't shared what it was and they were thinking of moving on. Right. You know, I think that we do that so chronically. I've seen it so many times that it's like, let's, let's just take a minute. Let's pause and get some mentorship and guidance if we need it. Yep. Yep. So these are the things, you know, the, the MSDs, the poor communication and conflict resolution that can lead us to have like horrible feelings that you associate with going to work, like the Monday blues or like dreading going to work. Um, in addition, you know, if we have time limitations in regards to our family lives and the time that we can spend at home doing the things that we want to do, that causes more like bitterness and resentment. So these are all the things that we have to consider when kind of trying to prevent burnout is making sure that we're getting our needs met. Right. So uh, another thing that I just mentioned too is, is just if your vision is mismatched with your workplace. So if you don't have similar um, integrity values and vision, then it might mean that you're heading in one direction and your workplace or your boss or your office is heading in a completely different direction. And then you've got this constant feeling of, frustration, you know, and constant feeling of uh, being defeated almost, you know, and it may be time to go back to the drawing board and say like, what do I value? What is my vision? Where do I want to go in five years? Okay, does that match up with my 
employer's values and where they're heading in five years, because if not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to say, hey, we're going in different directions. And also, I think that I need to find somewhere that aligns with my own personal vision, and my own values um, a little bit better. Or you might find when you do that, that you do align and maybe there's some like little details that you need to get on the same, uh, like the same page with, you know what I mean? But I think it's a lot easier to burn out if we're not consistently taking an introspective look at these things. So just really important to reflect and even write about it and just take a minute to assess kind of like, where are we, where are we, you know, in, in the stages of, of burnout and are we on this chart at all? And, you know, what does it look like for us? Right. So we're going to look at a couple of things that may be happening in your life. This is that opportunity to kind of step back and, and get really introspective and, and nobody knows this but you, but ask yourself, you know, am I experiencing these things? Because if you are, then you may want to just, you know, we're going to give you some ideas for how to kind of counteract some of these things, but it, it might be time to just refresh, take a step, take a breath, take a pause and figure out how to address these things and address whatever issues you may be having so that you can refresh, you can be your best self. You can give your patients the best, the, the best level of care that they deserve. You can be the best team member for those around you. So one of the, one of the things that burnout looks like is procrastination. Because um, one of the first things that happens when we start to feel burnout is we start putting off the tasks that we need to do, whether or not those are the specific specific tasks that are making you feel burned out, you're just kind of like tired and you just, you're kind of not in it anymore. So, you know, I think in, in hygiene for us, a lot of times that can be like procrastinating with the things that you don't love doing so much. <laughs> like maybe you're, uh, you know, dragging your feet on getting the notes done or getting the instruments sharpened or, you know, reaching out to those patients that, that need the recare, you know, contact made. But when you start finding yourself like procrastinating to do the things that you would normally easily do, that's a sign that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. um, another one is cutting corners. And that's when you, you know, you've got up the, the motivation to perform the task you were, were procrastinating on, and now you're completing the task, but you're starting to burn out and cut corners. Your work stops being the same high quality because you're burning out from it. So this is this may be where we're not really completing the notes to the full capacity or we're not communicating well with, you know, our doctors or you know there's a lot of different ways that can look in our our operatories where we just kind of cut corners. Um, you know, it just makes you feel like you're not really doing your job to its full extent because you're just not as motivated. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something we got to pay attention to. Um, anger towards work, like feeling that resentment. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. So let's be honest, there's a lot of times I've had some resentment as I'm, you know, going through the office in a day. And, you know, that may be like, hey, I'm waiting too long for an exam to come in. Or, you know, I'm watching somebody play on their phone while I'm like not even getting a lunch break today. Or, you know, there's, there's so many things that you can look around and see. And the problem is we make very quick judgments um, when we don't know the big picture, like maybe that person's actually not playing on their phone, maybe they are answering 
a text that a patient sent them or working on an email to a patient. Like you just, you never really know what's going on. Um, you know, I try to be really mindful when I'm waiting for an exam um, because my doctor does love to talk a lot, but that's also what endears our patients to him. And he really takes the time to explain what they're going to need and what that's going to look like. So I try to remind myself of that when, you know, the time crunch is, is coming in on me and I'm feeling frustrated or angry. Um, I think, yeah, just, just taking a break for a second and taking a breath and kind of re realizing that we're all in it together. Um, I think if you're feeling defeated and anger frequently causes feeling defeated, um, and that's a dangerous place to be because you start to question, like, is this really worth it? Like I am coming in here, I'm killing it. You know, I'm doing all the things I'm trying to stay on top of all the tasks, but I just feel like I can't. So I just feel really defeated. Um, and it makes you feel tired and unmotivated. And then lastly, is if you feel like you're giving up on your dreams, you know, this is kind of the final stage of burnout when you're just like, I just can't anymore. And, and maybe I want to look, you know, in another direction. I want to do something different because this is just too much, you know, like I I'm defeated to the point where I can't do it anymore. And that's where, you know, it makes me sad to think that I know, I know that as a profession, we've lost many hygienists to that feeling of like, this is just too much. And I, it's just not worth it to me. And I can't do it anymore. When I think that there are a lot of, you know, if we get our foundation straight on, you know, really grounding ourselves in our why and, you know, rekindling the fire or the passion for what we're doing and self-care comes first then we can really take great care of our patients. And I just hate that we've lost, you know, some of our, our profession and our, our fellow hygienists to burnout. So, you know. Yeah, you know, and I wanna say like a lot of this is very heavy information. Yeah. Like it seems, you know, and it, but, it's, but it's true and real and seriously and very applicable to what we do every day. And like you said, you and I have seen firsthand these things take place. So it's not like this is a, uh, you know, like a crazy out there or some sort of, wild thought that doesn't apply like it, these things apply but we want to make sure that everyone knows that really no matter where you are if you identify with the fifth stage of burnout or the fourth or the third you can start reversing yes. you know the the burnout feeling and the burnout symptoms slowly over time and you know Jay Shetty and Winona uh, State University is where we got the the stages of burnout um they kind of go into how that looks different for everyone, but it's possible for everyone. So no matter where you are, it's it's possible to kind of like go back in the right direction and make small changes and just be really self-aware every single day until you get back to a healthier space. Right. So I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, oh, it's time to throw on the towel, I'm in the fifth stage of burnout, you know, or just give up because you feel overwhelmed at some of these things. You can start kind of taking back your mental and physical and emotional health. So um, Sharice is going to go through what some of those things might look like. Yeah, how we, how can we, how we can address those things. So, a symptom that we might experience be experiencing is kind of that that short fuse symptom where you know you might be kind of talking angrily to your phone or cursing your computer because it's not working again, um, and and that's just kind of a symptom that your stress levels are obviously overflowing at the moment. Um, and and the sad part is that when we're irritable, we're not going to aim at high things. Um, and you know, it's not just the computers we're yelling at, but likely it's, we're going to kind of hurt the people around us, um, especially the ones we care about most. So, um, being stressed out, will obviously we know this make us snap at people and criticize or complain all the time. 
Um, and that really puts us kind of in a negative mindset. So the way to, you know, when you are identifying, like, I kind of got a short fuse today, I can tell, or, you know, and, and if we maybe not are identifying that ourselves, you know, if somebody close to you, one of your team members says, Hey, are you okay? Like that's a sign to you. Like there's something internally going on that's seeping out externally and people are noticing. So one thing you can do is just, you know, be quiet and kind of embrace silence. Um, I know for me, when I'm on um, high alert, when I'm really feeling stressed and overwhelmed, like the excess of people coming, Hey, I need this. Can you do this for me? Or, you know, like it's, it's, it's like deafening almost. So find a place, a moment, even if you're just running to the restroom for three minutes and just like taking some breaths and just in, embracing some silence, um, get away, step out, take a trip to the bathroom, go outside, um, you know, just take a moment um, and be aware, we all know this, that stress will make us hypersensitive and little things will bother you much more than they should. So um, one, one idea is just keeping a stress journal. It can be an effective way to, you know, take things into perspective and deal with the sources of stress. Because honestly, like once we de-stress and we look back at that thing that made us so upset, it's, it's really, honestly, I think the majority of the time, not that upsetting. It was just that we were in such a hyper state of emotion mm -hmm. that it really rubbed us the wrong way. So I think just kind of journaling through like what we're feeling and what bothered us and, you know, thinking it through, I think is a smart thing. Yeah, because all, a lot of times I think that we get so worked up with the stress of the day that something can trigger us into almost being in like that survival mode or like go into fight or flight. And then right. that is not the time to make decisions or talk right. to someone that you're upset with. Like that's, you're an emotionally like heightened state. And I'm speaking from experience here where I have had to go and apologize to people from trying to do something or do something to resolve the problem when I'm not in an emotional state to do that. And, you know, on the back end, that's just creating possibly damage to your relationship, possibly more work for yourself if you have to go apologize or fix something on the back end. So it's always better to not procrastinate, but take a pause, you know, right. if you find yourself in that space, because I think we all find ourselves in that space sometimes, but not to, not to hastily try and fix something if you can identify that you're in that state. Yeah. And I think having some good supportive people around you is important because the reality is we all have these moments, all of us, you know, life is crazy and it can elicit a lot of emotions and, and a lot of issues. So having those people around you that, that love you and know you and respect you enough that when you say, Hey, I need some space. I need a minute. I can't make this decision right now. Or who will look at you and say, Hey, I love you. I don't think you should make this decision right now because I know that you're like really tired or really stressed or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and I know Brittany and, and I in our, in our friendship and partnership have been able to do that for each other. And it's just a huge blessing mm -hmm. to say like, I know myself and I'm super tired right now. And I can't think about this. I can't talk about this. I just need a minute. Um, it, that's been a huge blessing. So find some good support around you. Um, like I said, if we're feeling negative feelings, um, then that kind of just rolls into our mindset and it kind of takes us down that negative track. So we're going to have negative expectations and negative thoughts. And I think we're all familiar with Murphy's law that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So when you're stressed out and overstretched, 
Um, there's that version of Murphy that kind of sets up camp in your mind that just keeps saying everything's going to go wrong. Everything's bad. Nothing's good. Nothing's working. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important, again, and this may be where that journaling comes in too, to just pay attention to your thoughts and expectations on a really busy day. Um, and if they're mostly on the negative side, then, you know, stress is skewing your vision of things. Um, so, you know, take notes of your thought um, and, and maybe consider journaling. And here's the important part is, you know, if you're playing these negative ideas about yourself or the things you do or the circumstances or the people around you, it's really important to not believe those because they're not true. Um, negative ideas are just ideas. They're not reality. So you, the way to counteract that is to, to shoot back evidence-based facts at them and they'll vanish and your mood will eventually change. So, you know, it's, it's the exercise of writing down like what you're thinking and what you're feeling and then kind of thinking through, wait, is that really the reality or is that just how I'm reacting in this moment? And instead replacing it with the truth of what's really happening and what really matters in that situation. Um, we're also going to start embracing some unrealistic goals or unrealistic schedules. And that's really important for us in the hygiene world because we know that schedule is, is pretty much everything. And that is one of our biggest uh, sources of stress and, and strain and burnout. So, um, you know, we know that when you take up too much, you're going to end up overwhelmed. So, um, you know, we... Brittany and I are very blessed to have a lot of autonomy in our schedules. Mm -hmm. And if you are finding that your schedule is just completely not um, doable, it's not realistic, then that's the time to sit down with your doctor or your office manager and say, look, like, you know, 45 minutes per patient, boom, 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 is, is stressing me to the max. And I cannot keep going at this level. You know, these are the times where having those conversation is important. Sit down and look at, you know, what do you need? How would, how if things look different, you know, what would ideal schedule look like for you? And take that and, and don't just complain, hey, my schedule's not working. Take a solution with you and say, hey, this is what I think would be, this, this would work for the practice, for the patients, for my own sanity. That's really, really important here because if we keep going at this pace, I'm telling you, I can't do it. And you're going to be looking for another hygienist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th there's a rule of thumb that says don't set more than three goals a day. Um, and if they, if those goals resu result in more than 10 items in your to-do list, then spread some of those things onto separate days. Um, and that way your expectations will be aligned with reality and you won't put unnecessary pressure on yourself. And I can say this as... Um, as a, a mom of, you know, two boys and, and a wife, you know, I understand that we have a lot of expectations on us every day within the dental practice. But then I always joke, like I'm leaving work to go to my second job, which is, you know, managing the home and, and getting dinner and helping with homework and, you know, just managing life um, and sports and all those things. So this isn't just, uh, you know, happening in office hours. This is kind of thinking about your entire day and all the, all the expectations that are on you. So it's important to kind of, if you feel like you're drowning, to maybe write out everything that you are trying to accomplish in a day and see where there's room to move or shift or delete some things that maybe aren't as important as, as you thought they were. And sometimes I think it's easy to just like rack up the things. Like before you even know it, you turn around and you're like, 
oh my gosh, how am I doing all this? Why am I doing all of this? So I think if you, if you do, if you're kind of have that sense of like, I'm drowning right now, step back and be like, okay, write it all out. What are you doing? It's probably way too much. And there's probably some room to, to, some, to remove some things or rethink some things. Yeah. And the fact is, you know, I can see in our next point about, you know, we tend to extend our working hours to, to make all of this happen. And back to the point of earlier where, um, you know, if you're good at something, you're going to be asked to do more of it. Right. So there's constantly going to be this like request for your time, for your energy, for your attention, and that's never ending. So the next point says, you know, here's a fact, no matter how much you do in a day, there will always be more waiting for you. So as your to-do supply is endless, What's the point of sacrificing your well-being and are you constantly working long hours? And I think that, you know, as A-type personalities and people who struggle with perfectionism, it's easy to continue saying yes to the things that we're really good at. And there has to be at some point a question of like, is this worth it for my health? You know, like at the end of the day, we're living with the consequences of our own decisions, you know, so um, speaking of consequences, it's a good idea to visualize them and ask yourself, what will happen if I continue to work these long hours? So not to go down the rabbit hole of being negative and like, oh, I'm going to suffer and my life isn't going to go well and whatever. It's just an, a realization and an acknowledgement of if I continue going in the direction that I am, when I see the signs of burnout, what is going to happen and will it be worth it, you know, for whatever positive reinforcement or positive feedback that you're getting? whether it's the satisfaction of feeling like, oh, I'm getting all this stuff done, or whether it's kudos, or whether it's a pat on the back from your boss or someone else that you work with, is that really worth it in comparison with your overall health, your mental health, and your sanity? Right, right. Yeah. So, and, and this is kind of a really hard truth to accept, but no one but you will do this for you because people will always take more. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they will always ask more and take more and expect more. And so you have to be your own advocate. No one else is going to do that for you. So, you know, and like you said, it's thinking of the consequences of your excessive work. You know, what's that going to look like for your health, for your relationships, and then your, your ultimate goals? Um, at the end of the day, you are the one living with the consequences of your decisions. So, you know, you can't put this on anyone else if, you're, if you know you're feeling this way you've got to decide, decide for yourself, you know, what, what am I going to do about this? And what am I going to, how am I going to rework this to make it work? Um, you know, you, you've got to decide when you want to stop working. You've got to set aside some time to unplug, even, it, and I know this sounds crazy, even if it like means setting alarm on your phone for like, Hey, I'm done with this at this point of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and shut down and don't allow exceptions, like create a space for yourself. And don't let anyone else into that. That's really, really important when we're feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And this is an example of what a lot of us are not very familiar with, which is a boundary, yeah. you know, and a lot of people look at boundaries like, oh, that's so rigid and you're trying, you know, it's just a wall and you're trying to keep others out or you're trying to control or whatever, but a boundary, really the purpose of it is to self protect and make sure that we are preserving and treating ourselves the best that we can. A boundary is a healthy thing. It's not meant to be punitive to others or manipulative or anything. It's really about us, not other people or, or, or external things. Right. You know, so if that's our come from and we're thinking about it that way, then it's not ever going to be a bad thing. So when we first start setting boundaries though, and I'm speaking from experience, you know, people who are used to 
whatever we've been doing are going to be a little confused, right? And it's okay if, if right. we've been doing a certain thing for a long time, we've been answering emails, you know, at seven, eight, nine o'clock PM. And now suddenly we stop, people might be a little affronted at that. They might be like, what is going on with her? Like she's slacking or something. And they, they may have feelings and thoughts and judgments and that's totally okay. It's also, it's also okay if you want to explain or just inform them that you are making a change and that it's not personal. You're just doing something for your health. And honestly, it's also okay to not explain that. I don't feel that when we're doing something for our health, we owe anyone an explanation. If it becomes an upset in our relationship, then maybe have a conversation, you know, say, hey, just so you know, this isn't personal. I've decided to stop answering emails at 6 p.m. So I'll just get back to you tomorrow and not go into this big long-winded thing because it's not that we owe anyone anything. It's just trying to preserve relationships and make sure that we're doing what's best for ourselves at the same time. Yeah. I think another thing that's really important and this, I'm in the hot seat on this one. Mm -hmm. um, when we already feel overwhelmed and stressed and burned out, it's really important that we watch our exposure to media, social media, phones, TVs, um, mm -hmm. basically overstimulation of the brain. Um, it is not healthy to be connected all the time, <laughs> whether it be, and honestly, whether it be social media or TV or something like that, or, or to people like there, we all need downtime. Um, I classically so many days leave the practice and ride home in silence and love every second of it <laughs> because I do, I need that disconnect. Um, and, you know, honestly, the, overstimulation of the brain that happens with scrolling on a screen and, you know, taking in all the information and reading articles and, you know, looking at the news, which isn't wonderful these days. Like it just adds more of that stress and more of that weight. And our brain was not designed for that excess stimulation. And so, you know, if that's, if you're in that seat with me, you know, we've got to limit the amount of phone time that we have. Um, maybe, you know, you're a Netflix binger, like, you know, you, you need some downtime. That's super, super important. So start, you know, maybe it's something as simple as like starting the habit of like no cell phones during your meal, you know, that you're going to be present. You're going to enjoy your food. You're going to look at people in the eye and have real conversations. Um, and, you know, I think just doing something that small, you would be, see some pretty big improvements in your physical health and energy and especially your mental health, you know, connection is huge in reducing stress and fatigue. And we sometimes can think about connection being happening through our phones. Um, but I'm talking about true connection where you're, you're really looking someone in the eye, you know, you're being seen, you know, you're being heard. Someone is, you know, engaging back with you. You're feeling, um, you know, connected. That's really, really important. So I think that's an important thing to think about. Um, I think as hygienists, you know, we, we think a lot about nutrition because obviously we're talking with our patients about that. Um, but I think sometimes we get a little hypocritical in that because we're so busy. We don't take, take enough time to really feed ourselves properly. Um, and that's one thing that does tend to suffer when we are feeling overwhelmed and stressed and burned out because it's easy to just like throw anything in to just keep moving. Um, 
you know, when we're feeling really overwhelmed, we can have the habit of skipping meals and, and just making poor choices. And then also neglecting moving our bodies, you know, we're just so tired and I just don't have time for anything else. So we don't move our bodies. And those two things obviously have a huge impact on our total health and wellness and how we feel every day. So, you know, again, like Brittany said, think about what's going to happen if I'm not taking care of myself. If I continue to eat poorly and I'm not moving my body, I'm not exercising, what's going to happen to my work life and my livelihood if I get sick? And again, I'm going to bring it up because it's so relevant right now, but with us facing COVID, like it's so important that we protect our own health and our own immune system. So we've got to be taking care of ourselves. So it may be something as simple as like planning your meals over the weekend and getting that all set up. So you know what you've got, you've taken it with you during the week. Um, you know, you're not just grabbing whatever's available because you're starving, thinking ahead, you know, like making sure that you've got some healthy snacks at, at work or, um, you know, having an accountability partner to exercise and just say, Hey, I'm going to set a goal of, you know, walking three times a week or whatever that might look like. But it's really important again, to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anyone else. And then obviously we know that um, when we are really heightenedly stressed and emotional, that sleep problems are a big part of that. And unfortunately, we cannot hack nature. Our brain needs seven to nine hours of sleep to restore our mind and repair our processes in the body. Yeah, so tell, me, tell me more about that because I'm not familiar with this concept <laughs> of seven to nine hours of sleep. Yes, and if so you guys- if you guys want to know more about this, we do have our previous podcast that we did on immune health with um, Dr. Uche Odiatu. He taught us so much about the benefits of sleep and it is no joke. Like this is the, the number one thing, honestly, that we really, really need, but that gets um, interrupted when we are, you know, fatigued like this. So, you know, one, a couple of tips are just avoid screen time at night because that actually um, disrupts our production of melatonin. Um, and that's the hormone that tells our body, hey, it's time to go to sleep and, and when it's time to wake up. So avoid screen time at night. Um, have an evening routine that's relaxing where the lights are dim, your environment's calm. Um, they say not to eat three hours before bedtime so that your digestion is done and you, your body is ready to, to rest. Um, and don't engage in anything that makes your brain really active before going to bed. Um, just try to set yourself up for success there. It's a, you know, maybe it's a warm shower or a warm bath. And, and setting up the time, I talk to my patients a lot about sleep, you know, that, that aren't getting enough. And it's, it's just making a different choice. You know, maybe instead of staying up and watching that show, maybe you say, hey, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to bed at nine o'clock because I get up at 5 a.m. or, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll speak to this on a personal yeah. level <laughs> because I have struggled with sleep since I was a little kid. Like I remember being in elementary school and having so much anxiety that I couldn't sleep, you know, just being up all night, struggling with insomnia, and then it made it more difficult to function during the day. So this has been an ongoing challenge for me. And some of the things that I have found help me with this is exercising soon after work. So if I can go exercise, like as soon as I get home, whether it's a walk or yoga or doing high intensity interval, something or other, that is helpful. And also the no screen time before bed, also setting a bedtime. So I've set 8.30 is like my tentative start winding down time. So um, I wanna be in bed almost asleep by 10 is the goal and it takes me some time to do that. So taking a hot shower, 
Um, and then a really cold room. And there are studies and lots of research about like the hot shower, you know, changing your, your body state, your physical state and your whatever regulation, regulatory patterns, I don't really know. But there's research about taking a hot shower, making the room cold and um, the no screen time. And then for me, the blackout curtains, I wear like an eye cover at night. And I also wear earplugs as crazy as that sounds because little noises and different things disrupt my sleep really easily. I'm like a really light sleeper, not surprisingly. Um, also, I found that there's lots of natural supplements that can help with that. So one of them that I've taken that actually helps me is called Methyl Pro and you can get it on Amazon. Uh, another one that I know a lot of people use didn't work very well for me, but um, a lot of people use CBD oil. Uh, I've used Remfresh, which is like a specific, I think it's just maybe more easier for your body to absorb. It's more bioavailable form of melatonin. Uh, there's different like teas that you can use, I know. I'm trying to think of all the things that I've tried. Um, there's 5-HTP, which you can get on Amazon. There's tryptophan, which you can get on Amazon. There's a lot of different things you can do to kind of like start that wind down process. But for me, it's something that I've had to intentionally work at to get any sort of sleep consistently. And there are still times when I go three, four days a week without quality sleep or with very little sleep in general, because my brain is in that, you know, constant work mode, you know, and I've got to really work on winding down. But those are just some of the things that actually have made a difference for me. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, overachievers um, really struggle with the constant being busy and the nonstop. We're just going, 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 doing, doing, doing. And I think one of the things that'll happen is we'll find that we don't really have time for ourselves. Like there's no downtime. And, you know, ask yourself, how often are you doing something just to enjoy yourself? Like just for fun. What do you do during the week that doesn't involve your goals or caring for others? It's really important, you know, we get one trot around this globe and yes, it's awesome. And it's a total blessing that we're helping other people all day. But if, if we're not having our own needs met and having some enjoyment and fulfillment from that, then I got to ask, what's the point? So if you're somebody that struggles with that block, some time for yourself on the schedule, make a date with yourself to do something that you love and make it a serious appointment that cannot be changed. Um, and then lastly, I'd say that um, when we are in burnout, there's kind of that constant overwhelming feeling like we get, we can really get eas easily frozen in anxiety. And so, you know, ask yourself, are you feeling constantly anxious and overwhelmed? Um, you know, being overtaxed will make you feel stuck and not know how to move ahead. So, you know, what to do in those cases is you see big things are a sum of small ones. So break down the big things. When you have a lot on your plate and you have a lot that needs to get done and there's not, not the opportunity to take some of those things off the plate, then work on it in small pieces. So, you know, nobody eats a whole watermelon in one bite. You eat it small pieces at a time. So look at your day, look what needs to happen. And then you know, when you do it that way, your sense of accomplishment soars and you see yourself moving ahead instead of thinking, I didn't do all the things like I did this and I did this and I did this. And that's actually really important psychologically to acknowledge that you are moving forward and you are getting things done. Um, and I think one of the biggest tips in everything that we're talking about today is celebrating your wins by cultivating gratitude. When we are feeling gratitude, there is not room for negative. 
So start and end your day appreciating those beautiful things about yourself, about your life, about what you've accomplished, no matter how small or big, and look at the blessings that you have along the way and in your day. Um, I think that is huge for everyone to acknowledge what we have and how good things really are for us. Because when we just get stuck in the negative, that's all we can see. But if we will take the time to say, hey, even though my day didn't go go great, it was really stressful, there was this, this, and this that was awesome. And I'm so appreciative of that. Yeah, and we just did a a great episode on imposter syndrome with Dr. Jenny Perna, aka Yogi Dentist. Um, And we talked about like one some of you know, perfectionism is in, in a lot of ways synonymous with imposter syndrome. It's just that feeling of like, I'm not good enough and you know, I can never be perfect, which is absolutely true. None of us can be perfect, but that's, if that's what we're aspiring to be, then we're constantly going to have that feeling of falling short and missing the mark. And I think that oftentimes when we struggle with perfectionism and struggle, struggle with imposter syndrome, we tend to internalize the negative things, you know, that people say about us, even, even if, five people just gave us a compliment and said, hey, this is what you're really good at. This is your strength. I'm so thankful for you. It's like those things almost like bounce off of us and we don't acknowledge them and truly internalize them. But then the one negative thing, we're like, crap. Right. Like, I'm not good enough. This, I'm, I knew I couldn't do it. Like, I'm not perfect. I'll never be able to, whatever. We start thinking all these negative thoughts. So by celebrating the little wins, it's almost just like internalizing the good things, you know, internalize the kudos, internalize the satisfaction and the accomplishment that came with completing even a little task, you know, doing a small thing along the way, because it does, it changes our mindset to progress, not perfection. And it allows us to feel like the sense of accomplishment and like we did something good and we can acknowledge and internalize that and go to bed with that in mind. Right. And I think for those of you who are journal journalers, um, we talked early about, you know, writing down those things that are upsetting to you or that feel stressful to you or the things that are bothering you. I think the way to end that journal entry is to add in something you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. There's always something to be grateful for. And it will replace those, those bad feelings with focusing on the good. And, and it kind of puts things back into perspective. Because again, when we're coming out of deficit, we're, our perspective isn't quite right. So if we can replace it with the reality of what we do have to be grateful for, that resets that perspective. And I think that's just really, really important. Yeah. That is all. That is all that we have on the topic of burnout. If you guys have any questions or thoughts or comments for us, please feel free to um, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene and post it to our page. We would love to connect with you there. And we are looking forward to seeing you or you seeing us anyway next week and hopefully connecting from there. Yes. And we are on the, on the, in the vein of gratitude, we are very grateful for you as listeners. We would also be very grateful if you would leave us a review about our podcast and how that's impacted you or, you know, suggestions of where you want us to go from here. We would love to hear those, but everyone have a wonderful week. Take some time for yourself. Enjoy some moments and don't get burned out. We're going to get through this together. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.